but divine health. Is that okay? Divine health. Now notice I didn't say divine healing. It includes divine healing if you need to be healed. But divine health. Amen? Now, it, it, it sounds, it could, from a natural standpoint, it could seem somewhat ridiculous. What do you mean divine health? Do you mean never being sick? Yeah, I'm talking about never being sick. Yep. Amen? Yep. And so I wanted to talk about that. And not only that, but you, know, you can have divine health, but also <laughs> that you have divine health. Yeah. So just open up your hearts, open up your minds, and let the Spirit of God reveal to you. Amen? Now, um, in teaching something like this, one of the biggest hindrances that can cause us to kind of choke at it is the fact that we tend to judge God and even the whole subject based on our experiences or the experiences of others. Great, some great person of God died of this or died of that. Or this person was such a solid Christian, but yet they had this particular struggle or that particular struggle. And we ourselves, we've had prayers or not, not answered, and we've had issues that have lingered, etc., etc., and we think many of those things can cause us to somewhat um, to be hesitant to receive this idea that you could somehow be never sick, live in divine health, and have the Lord himself as your health. And um, so, having said that, there is no condemnation in having to deal with ailments. Amen? It doesn't make one believer better than another. So, the fact that we may have some struggles, there is no condemnation. So no condemnation. No condemnation. But it's okay for us to reach for the stars. It's, uh, it's okay for us to reach for any and everything that God wants us to have, that Jesus has paid for us to have. Is that okay? Yeah. Alright, let's turn to Romans chapter 11, and we're going to begin there. Romans chapter 11. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 11. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Romans chapter 11. Now, at the end of the day, this whole thing about divine health, <laughs> I was going to say it's a faith proposition, but let me put it more accurately. It's a grace and faith proposition. Because there's no way you're going to qualify for this based on your own works. Amen? Romans chapter 11, verse 36 says, For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. The Amplified. For from him, Christ, and through Christ, who in you is the hope of glory, Christ himself, who is the wisdom and the power of God, the law was given by Moses, but grace came through him. For from him, and through him, and to him are all things. For all things originate with him, and come from him, and all things live through him, and all things center in and tend to consummate and to end in him. To him be glory forever and ever. 
I beseech you therefore, brethren, that being the case, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you, first of all, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Present all of your members and all of your faculties as a living sacrifice. Present yourself, your bodies a living sacrifice. And I like to amplify it. That adds, <coughs> present your members and your faculties, your thinking processes, your attitudes. Present them a living sacrifice. Sacrifice, living sacrifice, sacrifice in that you present them dead, but yet they're still alive. You know what I mean by that? You know what I mean? It's in the Old Testament when you put a, a lamb on, this, on, on the altar, it was dead. But when you go on the altar, you are alive. But you got to act dead. You can't just jump off of there. All right? It's a living sacrifice. But even as we're talking living sacrifice, you could already begin to hear your, your identification with the sacrifice of Christ. You'll be crucified with him. So that's number one. Present it for what? Living sacrifice. Remember that everything is from him and through him and by him and consummated in him. And in addition to that, don't be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed to this world, to this age. Don't fashion after and be, and, and be adapted to the external superficial customs. Don't think like the old man and his conversation and the way he used to operate before you were born again. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. <coughs> by the re entire renewal of your mind. By its new ideas and new attitudes. Say attitude. And a new attitude. Why are we doing all of this? So that we might prove what is God's good perfect and acceptable will. So that we might know, so that we might prove for ourselves what is the good, acceptable, perfect will of God. Even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in this sight for you. And I present to you that divine health is good, perfect, and acceptable. Yes. Amen. And if we put that into this verse, then it will be telling us that first of all, let's recognize that everything is from him, through him, to him, consummating him. And that being the case, present yourself a living sacrifice, all of yourself, including your faculties and your attitudes. And don't be conformed to this world. Don't think and operate according to this world or to the age that we're living in. And certainly don't be conformed to the, to the old man and his conversation and his way of thinking. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 23 is going to say, but be transformed is going to say um, to have the whole spirit of your mind renewed. Have a fresh new mental attitude and put on a new man. Don't be conformed to the world. Don't be conformed to that. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Have this fresh new attitude. Say attitude. attitude. So that by, do, by so doing, you'll be in a place where you'll be able to prove experience God's good, perfect, and acceptable way in which I'm presenting divine health as an aspect of that. Amen? Alright. So the issue of your attitude is significant. And that's the point I want to emphasize. In fact, 
And, and all that I'm going to be teaching tonight is going to be to change your attitudes, to have this attitude of expectation and belief and faith for, for divine help. Amen? Because, you know, the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Romans 8 verse 6 says, um, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. The Amplified actually says, but the mind of the Holy Spirit is life and peace, both now and forever. In other words, to be spiritually minded, to have the mind of the Holy Ghost, to have the mind of, of, of God, to think like him. There is a verse of scripture in um, Romans chapter 7, verse 22, that says, I delight in the law of God after the inner man. My inner man, this born-again man on the inside of me and inside of you, delights in the law of God. Delights in the laws that govern God. Delights in thinking like God. Amen? And there is that need to have to think like God and have that kind of attitude. Because if you're going to part, if you're going to partake and walk in divine health, it means you're going to have to be partaking of the divine nature. Does that make sense? Would you believe divine health is God's divine nature? Yes. Amen. And um, the Bible says, and I, I, I just want to just play this attitude take a little bit strongly. It says in in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Be not, it says, I'm having these promises, beloved. For God to be a father unto you and to show himself as, as Jehovah, as, as, as El Shaddai, as, as your own God and father. Having that kind of promise, let us cleanse ourselves from every filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit. I have been a bit of a father with this filthiness of the spirit, don't you? Yeah, because, I mean, don't forget, my spirit is being created in righteousness and true holiness. The Amplified actually, and, and, I, and, I, and I encourage you, I encourage you to study it out. But um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1, the Amplified says, Therefore, since these great promises are ours, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that contaminates and defies body and spirit. Well, right? Well, defile body and spirit, and bring our contribution to completeness, da, 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 da. Now, I believe in that particular case, the word spirit is not speaking so much of your born-again spirit as it is, and I'm going to show you a verse here in Job 32 and verse 8. Just some clarity in that. Job 32 and verse 8 says, There is a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth him understanding. Listen to the Amplified. But there is a vital force a spirit of intelligence in man. And the breath of the Almighty gives him understanding. There's a, there's a, there's a part within us that, 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 that God can so work with and produce certain uh, and affect us intellectually. Is that there's a force in there and affect your attitude. So I believe it is actually saying, having this promise for God to be God and a father unto you, right? You must do this. You must. Cleanse yourself, present your body a living sacrifice, but you must also 
cleansed and don't allow your attitude to be contaminated by anything. But get your attitude in line with God. Are you with me? All right, we're going to go, we're going to build on that. But because the reason I say that is because you see, the Bible says as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. We're talking about you can experience this good, perfect, and acceptable will of God and experience divine health, but it is dependent on your mind being renewed. Now, what does it mean for your mind to be renewed? Does it simply mean for you to know what the word of God says in the subject? Right? It means to take out that old program, get rid of it, right? Go to a metamorphosis, get rid of it, and put in this new program of the way God thinks, having the mind of the Spirit, the mind of the Holy Ghost, and not only knowing what He thinks, but thinking that way. Where this is how you think. This is how you process. And it says that that is necessary in order for you to experience this divine health. That means you got to think a certain way. You got to delight in the law of God after you're in a man. Amen? All right. Because I think that is, a, that, is, that is just very, very critical in order for us to go off and to... Because it's, it, it, it's, it's almost arrogant. It could sound like arrogance for you to say, you know what? My body is the temple of the living God. And I do not accept sickness or disease. Right? My body belongs to God. It's been bought with a price. It's been, it's been paid for by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And sickness and disease is not allowed here. That sounds almost arrogant. Are you with me? But yet it will take that type of arrogance, arrogance if you want to call it that, in order to walk in divine And yet you're doing it with the spirit of meekness and humility. It's not going to be the normal way of thinking. It's one thing to talk about, about divine healing. It's another thing to talk about divine health. Amen? Are you with are we, we here, right? Come on, you got to stay with me. I need some help. <laughs> the Bible says it is a... It is a faith that it might be by grace. Let me establish a couple of things. Number one, it is God's will, God's desire, God's hope and dream that you might live in divine health. It's his desire. He's the one that brought this about, not us. In fact, in fact, if I were to show you that in a different scripture just for a moment, it's not my idea, it's not your idea. It says in 2 Timothy, chapter 1, reading from verse 9, that he is the one who had saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works. Not according to our works. But according to his own purpose and grace. Say grace. It has everything to do with grace. And then called us with his and, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given us where? In Christ Jesus. When? Before the world began. It's his idea. But it is now made manifest. It is now revealed. It is now unveiled. It now appears. It is now made manifest and can be experienced. Whenever you hear the word manifest, God wants you to experience it. But it's now made manifest. How? How can you experience this? By the appearing or the unveiling of our Savior Jesus Christ. Of Christ that is in you, the hope of glory. Remember, everything is of him and from him and through him. It's Christ in you. The exceeding on the riches of Christ in you. So, that is now made manifest by the appearing or the unveiling of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Of our Savior. Say Savior. Savior. 
Jesus Christ. Now, just to throw that in there, I'm not finished with that scripture, but in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23, it says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, but he is the savior of the body. He's not only the savior of your spirit and the bishop of your soul, he is the savior of your body. But if he wants to save my body, what do you think he wants to do with it? Amen. Right? The Bible says, I mean, you look it up later on, but in, 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 in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 21, 20 and 21 says, our conversation is in heaven. Our conversation, the way we think, the way we talk, our attitudes, they proceed from heaven. You got to be heavenly minded. You got to have the mind of the spirit in order for it to be on earth as it is in heaven. Let our conversation, that our conversations in heaven, where on do we look? Where ought we look for Jesus? For his appearing. And when he appears, he will make our vile bodies to be like his glorious body. Amen? Wherein he is able, he is able to, to rise up within us and subdue everything unto himself. I mean, whatever sickness, whatever disease, he can rise up and smother it. Are you with me? What for? To make our bodies like his. Our body bodies like his. In fact, it's going to say, you see, you got to dare to believe these scriptures and not be talked out of it. And people say, well, it doesn't quite mean that. It means the body of Christ. It doesn't mean this physical body. It's up to you. The Bible says the way you measure it is going to be measured up to you. <coughs> Have you ever heard my, 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 my um, what do you call it? My, um, what's that thing? What was that thing you call it? That means, what is it? Chicken pox. chicken pox. You ever heard my chicken pox story? You've heard it? Well, I'll tell you my chicken pox story. This is how you measure it. I was a young Christian, but I was wild. Okay? And, and I, 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 there was a Bible study in my house. I, I think I was speaking with God. I, I had a Bible study in my house. And, um, you know, I said, I had a Bible study in my house at the time. I'm not sure. Anyway, I'm not even sure about that part. But either way, and I got chicken pox. And I began to pop them. I began to, sorry, gross, but I began to just pop them, man. I just pop them. <laughs> and after I popped quite a few of them, somebody tell me, you shouldn't do that. Should because you're going to be left with these permanent scars. I thought, oh, well, that's a kind of late. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I thought, well, what am I going to do here? Right? This is not going to look good. Preacher with, with, with scars. <laughs> and so I went to the concordance. And I flipped through the concordance, and I found a verse of scripture in Job that says, you shall lift up your face without spot. And I said, ha! And I took that verse of scripture, and I believed that verse, and the spots disappeared. Amen. Now, if you get a concordance and you check out that verse, that verse was not talking about, uh, about chicken box. It was talking about lifting up your face without shame or whatever, whatever, whatever. Go check it out. Somebody can say, hey, brother, you're taking that scripture out of context. Well, thank God I took it out of context. <laughs> the point is, the way you measure it is going to be measured unto you. Amen? The Bible says he is Savior of our body. Yes. And it also says in Ephesians, because remember in Ephesians chapter 5, when he says, look, this is a mystery. I'm talking to you about a husband and his wife, but really I'm telling you about Christ and his church. Yes. And then it says in verse 30 that we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. 
Amen. We're talking about divine health, say divine health. Where the Lord is the health of your countenance. Yes. Yes. All right, so back to second Timothy. And again, it's not out my idea, it's his idea. So he says, he had saved us, called us for the holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own mercy, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but it is now made manifest by the appearing or the unveiling of our Savior Jesus Christ that lives on the inside of us, who had abolished death and had brought life and immortality to light. If something is brought to light, it was in darkness, it wasn't you couldn't see, but now it can be seen. He has brought life and immortality to light through the what? Gospel. What is the gospel? Paul said in, in, in um, Galatians 1 verse 15 and 16, that when God called me from my mother's womb, right, to reveal his son in me, and that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Preach who? His son revealed in me. Christ in me. But I thought Paul was supposed to preach the gospel. Well, that's the gospel. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Are you with me? The hope of the gospel. So it says then that from the foundation of the world, this was part of the plan of God. And as Jesus has come into your life, and as he is unveiled, then it is now possible to have this manifestation of what? Of, of, of the fact that he has abolished death and he has brought life, the life of God, and immortality, the Amplified calls it immunity from eternal death, and immortality to life through the gospel. Amen? I don't know about you, but that sounds to me like divine health. Amen? Hey, it's a stretch. But think about it for a moment. It is God's idea, God's desire. Wouldn't you want your children to have divine health if you have that? type of privilege? Well, how much more would I have any father? Amen. John chapter 10 verse 10 says, the thief coming but for steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I have come that you might have what? Life and have it more abundantly. Can God desire sincerely from his heart for you to have life, have it more abundantly, but not desire for you to live in divine health? Does that make sense? If he desires you to have abundant life, the life of God and have it abundantly, then he must also desire that you would live in divine health. That is the reason why, that is part of why Jesus came. The Bible says for this purpose the Son of God was manifested. What for? To destroy the works of the devil. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 3 says, and this is not a King James, but in another word it says, I want it to be well with you and that you will live long on the earth. Amen. God says, I want you to be well with you. And I want you to live long on the earth. Now, here is something about the promises of God that are interesting. You see, you and I, sometimes we make promises and then we try to keep it. Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? But when God makes promises, when God makes a promise, it is so guaranteed because it's already done. In other words, God is not promising something he's hoping to do. God is, what God has promised, it is already done. It's already finished. Can you see that? That is why the grand and precious promises, by these we what? We don't create, the promises of God doesn't create the solution. The promises of God reveals and helps us, it reveals what? By these promises we are partakers of the divine nature. 
It helps us to identify various aspects of the divine nature, and it is a means by which we can draw it out and take that part of the divine nature that I need. Are you with me? So the promise reveals what's already there. And there are yes and amen in Christ. So when God says that, 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 that he wants us to be well with us, and that we will live long on the earth, it's already provided. What is the point? The point is, it is God's desire, and it is God's dream, and it is God's um, hope that you and I would live in the vineyard. That's what he said in 3 John 2. I wish above all things that you might walk. And be in how according as the earth? So prosper. Does that have to do with your attitude? Does that have to do with your thinking? Amen? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Second Timothy 4, verse 18, write it down. It might not be a familiar, it's not a familiar scripture. But 2 Timothy 4, verse 12 says, I will deliver you from every evil work. Is sickness an evil work? First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, you know it. Um, which basically says that you, are, that you are not your own. Know you not? That you are the temple of God? You are not your own? You've been bought with a price? And that God is to be glorified where? In your body and in your mind. Now, does sickness glorify God? No. Right? Jesus said, I'm going to come heal him. This sickness, you know the story, this is in John chapter 9, when he said, why would this man come? Born blind. And they say, ah, people say, well, he must have sinned, or his parents have sinned, or somebody sinned. And then Jesus says, no. Jesus said, first of all, he could have sinned, he was, he was born blind. Jesus says, this here is for the glory of God. And people say, oh, God made that poor man born blind. So the one day Jesus would come along and heal him and make God look good. No. That's not what it meant at all. <laughs> Jesus said, this man was born blind. And so that God might be glorified, I'm going to come and heal him. In other words, healing brings glory to God. Yes. Amen? Hallelujah. So what am I saying? He says that our body belongs to him and that, and that we might be glorified in his body. That he might be glorified in our bodies. Psalm 67 verse 1 and 2 says, God be merciful to us and bless us. And cause your face to shine upon us, that your way may be known upon the earth and your saving help among all nations. So it is God's will and desire for you to be in divine help, just as it would be that your attitude towards your own children, that would be your desire. But here is something that is just as important. You legally, you have a legal right to divine help. You have a legal right to divine help. Matthew chapter 15, verse 26 says it's the children's bread. Amen? Colossians chapter 1. Let's flip over there quickly. Colossians chapter 1. Reading from verse 12. Giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet. He's made us qualified to be a partaker, to take part of what? Of the inheritance of the saints. To take part, to have a part in that inheritance of the saints. Who have delivered us from the power of darkness, from the authority of the enemy, translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption. You have a right to divine help because in Christ you have redemption. Amen. But you also 
have a right because he's qualified you through the sacrifice of Christ and the shed blood to partake of that inheritance. And healing, divine health, is part of that inheritance. Paul says when God called him and anointed him and sent him, part of his, part of his mission was to help us to receive the forgiveness of sins and to receive our inheritance by faith. Say by faith. Right? And that's in Acts 26, 18. That we would receive our inheritance. We receive that divine health that belongs to us. Now you see, this divine health is yours by grace. But you're going to get a hold of it by faith. And God has so arranged it that it is available to everyone. Romans chapter 4, verse 16 says, It is a faith that it might be by grace that the promise might be sure to what? All the seed. He's not a respecter of persons. He is a respecter of faith. Amen? So inheritance includes divine health. And Paul says, and, and, um, and the divine health is yours by grace because it's been paid for. The riches of God are Christ's expense. But now, it says in Acts chapter 20, verse 32, regarding that inheritance, Paul says, I commend you to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you your inheritance. Give you inheritance among the saints. Amen? That's already beginning to tell us, not only do we have it, but how can we possess it? And it's going to be by faith. Say by faith. Now, all that Jesus did in his body, in Colossians, we still there, in Colossians chapter 21, towards the end, it says, yet now, sorry, <laughs> Colossians chapter 1, verse 21. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> verse 21 and 22. The end of chapter, verse 21. Yet now had he reconciled and made that exchange. Yet now had he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. There's a reconciliation that has taken place by Jesus's, the body of his flesh through his death, through, the, through him dying on that cross. What happened? He took our sicknesses. He took our diseases. He took the curse. Everything that Jesus did and finished in his body belongs to you. Amen? Did he, did he, did he, did he, did he by his sacrifice, offering his body on that cross, take, becoming a curse, taking our sickness and disease, was, was that not a declaration that sickness must no longer rule over you because by my stripes you're healed? Isn't that right? Also to in his resurrection, that resurrected body, Everything that he has in that resurrection body, everything that he got in resurrection and ascension also belongs to us. Because we are heir, or we are joint heir with Christ and the heir of all things. Isn't that so? So if in his resurrected body he has healing and health, don't you think you have a right to that? Mm -hmm. Amen? Everything that, is, that he got in his resurrected body, that we have a right to it. Everything he finished in his body in the cross, we've got a right to it. So through the body, there has been a reconciliation. There has been an exchange that has taken place. Why is this important? Because you see, we need to know this so we can think this way. Because there's a fight of faith that is involved that is going to be there constantly trying to pull you out of this oneness and this righteousness consciousness. The forces around you are such. And if we're not anchored and rooted and established, then we will shift. Amen? So we need to know these things. Blessed be the name of the Lord. As he is, so are we in this world. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9 says, you don't need to turn to it, but Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9 says, he 
tasted death for every man. He tasted death for every man. Now, if he tasted death, do you think that included sickness? What is sickness? Sickness is nothing more than death in slow motion. You take sickness and speed it up. Man, even a headache could turn out real bad. <laughs> Amen. That broken toenail could become infection. <laughs> Gangrene, who knows what? The, the, but, the, but sickness is death in slow motion. That's the reason why we got to have an attitude towards sickness and an intolerance of it. We've got to have a mindset that says that I refuse to accept this. Where we're not even fooling around with a sniffle. Where it said in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 12 and 13, where you demand that those arms be strong. You demand that those feeble knees be no longer feeble. You demand that this pathway, that you, you walk in a healed pathway. And I'm not quoting anyone, but we're looking at later. You got to have that type of mindset. The violent taking it by force. Your mindset, your attitude, the way you think. You got to think like heaven. You got to think like the Holy Ghost. Do you believe the Holy Ghost would put up with sickness? Do you think he would tolerate a little bit of it? How do you think he would talk about it? How do you think he would think about it? What would be his attitude? Well, you need to have that mind. Amen? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. So it goes on to say, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9, he tasted death for every man. And then in verse 14 and 15, it says, For as much as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he, Jesus, partook of the same. Right? What for? So that he could taste that death. And deliver those who through the fear of death were all their lifetime in bondage. Destroy him that had the power of it. Take the keys away from him. Are you with me? Why did he do all of that? Right? Because it is the will of God that you have divine yet. And because he did that, because he's paid for it, you've got a legal right to it. It's as simple as that. Amen? Does that make sense? Yeah. Alright, so I got a right to it. The divine health has been paid for. And you are joint heir with Christ, and he's the heir of all things. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That even though he was rich, he became poor. Why? That due to his poverty might be made rich. That is, a, he, your health, your divine health is included in that. 4 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says, being dead to sin, you might live on to righteousness. This oneness with him. He's the vine, you are the branch. The same life in the vine is the same life in a branch. Being dead to sin, you might live on to righteousness by whose stripes you are healed. Matthew 8, 17, that he took my sicknesses. He bore my diseases. Well, if he took it, and if he bore it, and if by his stripes I were healed, shouldn't I be healed? Isn't it, isn't it legal? Does it make sense? If I were, then I should be. Yeah. All I'm saying is, it is the Father's will that you have that you walk in the body of <clears throat> and it is the fault, and it is your legal right to have divine health. Now here's the thing. Question: Is it possible? Is it possible for you to live in the body of Is it possible to not be sick? Well, I'll tell you. Let me fast forward. Here is what will make it a reality. Romans, Romans chapter 8 verse 2. I'm just going to throw it out there for now. That says the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. 
which is to say that law of lift that causes that airplane to fly, even though the law of gravity is still working. But this, once this airplane is operating in that law of lift, it will rise up and it will not, and the law of gravity will not dominate it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if you can operate in the law of the spirit of life in Christ, then you'll be free from the law of sin and death and sickness and disease. So that is what it's going to take. Now, if this, if, if this airplane turn off the engine, what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> oh, man, I'm living this way. Oh. That's right. The Bible says if you were to go back to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23, and you look at it in the Amplified, when it says you need the whole spirit of your mind renewed, have a fresh new mental attitude, it says to do so constantly. Constantly. Keep the engine on. Stay in the law of the spirit of life in Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. But anyway, is it possible to live in divine health? Well, Matthew chapter 19, 26 says, with God, all things are possible. Does all things include divine health? Mark 9, 23 says, all things are possible to who? To them that believe. But if with God all things are possible, they that believe end up being with God and all things become possible to them. Does that make sense? Did you get that? You didn't get it? Let's try it again. Matthew 19, 26 says, With God, all things are possible. Is that okay? Mark 9, 23 says, All things are possible to them that believe. Why? Because them that believe end up being with God. And they want their with God, with God all things are possible. Amen? Amen? Everything is by him and through him. <laughs> Wherefore, present your body a living sacrifice and get your mind renewed so that you can prove what is good, perfect, and acceptable with this. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So it is possible. Hallelujah. Question. <laughs> is there enough grace available to live in divine health? Second Corinthians 12 verse 9. My grace is what? Sufficient for thee. Romans chapter 5 verse 17 speaks about what? Abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness that we might reign in life through one Jesus Christ. And Titus 2 verse 11 says that the grace of God that bringeth salvation, which includes divine health. How do we know? Isn't it just divine healing? No, it's divine health. Because in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 3 speaks about a great salvation. Amen? So, the grace of God that bringeth salvation, which is so great, has appeared unto all men. It, is, it has appeared and it, is, it, it makes divine health available. Ephesians 2.7 says, the ex speaks about the exceeding riches of his grace. In his kindness towards us, is that grace rich enough to include divine health? Alright. Now, second turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Glory to God. So think about it. It's a pretty good case, you know. It is the will of God. It is the desire of God for you to live in divine health. You've got a legal right to it, and it is possible. Amen. All we got to do is now find out, well, what does it take? What does it take? Okay, let's do 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10. Now remember, the way you measure it, it's measured unto you. 
Don't let religion talk you out of, of, of the truths of the word of God and what belongs to you. Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 10 says, Always, when is always? always. Bearing about in your body, what? The dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. Present your body living sacrifice. Always bearing about in your body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. Always living in that identification that you are crucified with him, buried with him, raised up together with him, and seated with him. Always bearing about in your body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Why? So that the life of Jesus might be made manifest where? In your body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our, what does it say? Mortal flesh. So you can't go spiritualizing this one. Amen. Mortal flesh. What happens if the life of Jesus shows up in your body? What if this life becomes the life in your body? Healthy and strong. Will you, amen. You see, don't forget the law of the spirit of that life. Operate that life. That will make you free from the law of sin and death. That's where this has to end up. And this here gives us a hint that we're going to come back to. That you can have this life manifest in your mortal flesh, in your body, but the key is going to be always bearing about in your body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, it's to say the key is going to be the sacrifice of Christ. But quite frankly, we had a hint in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, verse 1 and 2, when it says, present your body living sacrifice, don't be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you're going to be able to prove what's that good, perfect, and acceptable will. It told us back then it gave us a hint. All right? Hallelujah. All right. So we know it is available, it is possible, however, there's going to be the necessity of the application of the sacrifice of Christ. The, 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 the necessity for you to live in that identification with the sacrifice of Christ. Always being about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus. Which, we can put it another way. Let me go across here and then come back over here. Does it not say, and, and, and first of all in John chapter 8 verse 36, whom the Son sets free is what? Free Do you think free indeed, liberty, is free indeed include divine health? Yes. Alright, free indeed means there can't be any prayer. Alright. <laughs> whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Now in a moment we're going to get to this point. Our next argument in this whole process is the fact that you already have divine health. What are we going to get there? You already got it. He has the life of God in you. Because you got a life of God in you. And the Bible says you've got such a great salvation. All you got to do is work it out. But we'll come back to that. But here, it says, Whom the Son set free is free indeed. But in John 8, 32, it says, You shall what? Know the truth. After the truth, be intimate with the truth. And that truth will make you free. That truth is the sacrifice of Christ. That truth is that you were crucified with him. Every sickness was in his body. That truth is that that old man was buried. Everything hereditary came to an end. That truth is you were resurrected with him. And when you were resurrected to him, you were resurrected onto an eternal inheritance. You were resurrected with him, and you were made to sit together with him, and you are now a partaker of his life. And by his blood, you have the power. You have the power to access the grace 
And with the name, you can be able to execute the authority that is necessary over the sickness and disease and the symptoms. And by the and, and, and by the what else am I leaving out? And by the life of Christ, getting that life unveiled is what is going to cause the manifestation and the promises by which you could partake of that divine nature. What am I saying? What I am saying is that you shall know the truth, and the truth is about the sacrifice. So application of the sacrifice, living in that identification, application of the truth of the sacrifice is what will produce that divine help. Titus put it this way, Titus 1 verse 1, it says the acknowledgement of the truth is after godliness, which means when you acknowledge, when you own, own, own up to it and say, okay, okay, I'm crucified with him. All right, I've been raised up. All right, this is the life I now live. I accept it. I agree with it. I'm not going to say anything contrary. The acknowledgement of the truth produces the God kind of life. It will cause it to be made manifest. And then in Titus 1 verse 3, God says, I've ordained it this way. That I will manifest my word through preaching. I will manifest my word, whatever the word says, I'm going to cause it to become your experience if you would proclaim it, declare it, decree it. But how can you decree it if you don't know it? How can I declare divine health if I don't know that it belongs to me? If I don't know it's the will of the Father? If I don't know it's God's will, how can I have confidence? This is the confidence that whatever we ask, we receive of him. Why? Because we know his will. Whatever we ask according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, then we know we have the petitions we desire of him. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Isn't that right? Yeah. You cannot have faith where, where, where the will of God is not known. So I need to know this belongs to me. I need to know I've got a right to it. I need to know that it is possible that I could walk it out. And then I also need to know that I have it. Because faith works really well when you can acknowledge what you already got. Isn't that right? Five, even six. All right, glory to God. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Say, I got it. So divine health is yours. You already have divine health. Romans 8 verse 32 says, He that spared not his own son, how shall he not with him freely give us what? Just a couple of things. All things. All things. Does that include, do you think all things except divine health? All right. Romans chapter 8, verse 10. No, let's turn over and see this one. This is my personal favorite because this is my eyes here. <laughs> this is where I got my eyes healed from. Amen? Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10. And if Christ be in you, is Christ in you? Yeah. Yeah. What did I say? Romans 8, 10. What are you doing, Hebrews? No. What are you doing, Hebrews? You said Romans and then you said Hebrews. I said Romans and then I said Hebrews? Yeah. Well, I got my eyes healed, but there's something else to be healing. Anyway, Romans 8, 10. All right, glory to God. Romans 8, verse 10. If Christ be in you, is, he, is Christ in you? Yes. The body is dead because of sin, but the spirit 
Now I know it has capital S here, but you gotta you gotta discern to figure out whether it's capital S or not. Amen? Because it's the same word. But the spirit is we are talking about your body being dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Your spirit has the very life of God because of the oneness that you have with God. Amen? Vine, branch, same life in the, in the vine is in the branch. Same sap. So your spirit has divine life. The life of Christ. Healing and divine health because of the oneness. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 17. He that is joined to the Lord is what? One spirit. While I'm right here, let, let me fast forward a little bit and point out that when I recognize that I have this divine life and healing and health in my spirit, I already got it. And there's some sickness trying to operate out here in my eyes or somewhere else. If I could somehow get that divine power that is in here to come out of there, draw it out, the Bible says, work on your salvation with fear and trembling. Draw it out by faith. If I could get that divine power to flow out of my spirit into that area where I have a problem, and my life is made manifest in my mortal flesh, what's going to happen? That's right. Then he will subdue whatever it is that made my body like his, like his glorified body. And that divine power and healing and health that is in my spirit will come out to that area and destroy whatever sickness it might be. That's the reason why verse 11 says, if the spirit of him that raised up Christ from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead will quicken your mortal body by his spirit that dwells in you. That's why verse 11 says that. Can you see that? Now I know sometimes we try to do it from the outside in and we lay hands on people and thank God for that. But you can do it from the inside out. Why are you with me? Amen. We talk about living in divine hell here. The law of the spirit of life. All right. So you already say I already got it. I already got it. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 says that you were born again to a living hope. And then verse 4 says to an inheritance that is incorruptible, undefiled, and so on. 2 Peter 1 verse 4 says, Whereby are given us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these we might be partakers of the divine nature. The divine nature includes divine health. Now, as he is, so are we in this world. So you already got it. Now, here's the thing. Now, the sac the, the, as we talk, I'm going to talk a little bit about the sacrifice of Christ. Because don't forget, the sacrifice of Christ, that living and that identification, always bearing about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, is the key to having that life manifest in your mortal body, in your mortal flesh. So let me talk about the sacrifice of Christ just a little bit. I'm going to speak about it in two parts. First of all, there are eight applications. All right? Four and four. Eight. Is that right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, the first floor, four, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. I like to think of it that for teaching purposes is good. I think of, I see the first four. The first four can reveal to you that you have divine health. And then the second four, the blood, the name, the life of Christ in you, and the promises by which you can partake of that divine nature, the second four are the very means 
by which you can cause to be made manifest what the first four says you got. Are you with me? I'll repeat it. The first four, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, when you study them out, they will reveal to you that you already have this divine head. And then when you get to the next four, which is the blood, you can put blood slash grace, but where it, which is the blood, the name of Jesus, the life of Jesus, and the promises of God, when you get to those four, the application of those four will cause to manifest for you to get the experience of what the first four would have educated you that you have. In other words, the first four will give you faith. I got this. So that I can acknowledge every good thing. Amen? And then, then the second four, four is going to say, all right, now that you know that you got it, let me show you how to draw it out. Are you with me? Okay, so quickly now, death, say death. <laughs> you don't like the word? <laughs> well, you know Colossians 2.12 that says we were baptized by the faith of operation of God. We were placed in Christ in Colossians 2.12 and so on, okay? And um, every sickness, every disease was placed in Jesus' body. So much so that Isaiah 52 and verse 14 says that his visage, his body was so marred, even his form was not even that of a human being. It wasn't what that, beautiful, that picture that you see in, in, in the Passion for Christ and those nice pictures that you see. All of that sickness and all of that disease that was in him, he took it. And by his stripes you were healed. Any affliction that could try to cleave to you, you were in him. And those sicknesses were in him. And when he died, he put an end to it, basically saying, this must no longer rule over you. And you've got to say, yes, then you hear him. You are not going to rule over me. Because Jesus bore it, he carried it, by his traps I'm healed. I'm redeemed from that curse of whatever sort it is. Are you with me? In the burial, where the Bible says, uh, know you not that, the, 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 that um, the old man has been crucified with him and has been buried and so on? There's an aspect of the burial that I think is, is significant. That has to do with stuff in the past. You know, Jesus went, when he was buried, he went and he spoke to those in prison. Remember that? And so on. And whatever he was dealing with them, he was dealing with them and them stuff that was past, man. I believe in that burial. The burial is to get rid of stuff. Don't just have them dead and sitting there. And next thing you know, people want to build a shrine and start worshiping it. Harry. You know what I mean? Put him in a little vase or something. Bury him. Get rid of him. So there is no evidence of him. And I believe in that burial, it speaks, for instance, about those hereditary stuff. Now, I'm not saying that the doctors said, okay, this one's in your family. Yeah, that may run in my family, but I had a new bloodline. Amen. Right. Amen. And therefore, not just because of the death and because of him hung up on the cross and becoming a curse for me, but also because of this burial that has no more rule over me. Amen. Are you with me? So I'm not going to accept no hereditary nothing. No. Remember, no. these first four are simply telling me what I got. And if I would believe it, I'd have faith. Because don't forget, it is a faith that it might be by grace. 
grace, the riches of God is provided in all, but it takes faith to possess it. So, the death, the burial, the resurrection. I am resurrected to what? To an inheritance. Newness of life. And I'm resurrected to this inheritance that is divine health. And just in case I wasn't convinced about that, what about the ascension? Now I'm seated. I'm in him. And then we have Rome, um, Ephesians 5 verse 30. That I'm a member of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. So I can just study those four and see that I got it. Say I got it. All right. Um, okay, I'm going to jump straight there. So, bear with me. Before I go over to these other four that possesses it, let me just throw this in between. It is a faith that might be by grace. So now comes the faith proposition. Now comes how am I going to get a hold of this? How am I going to cause this to be made manifested? Now, I don't want to try to tell you that this is some easy thing necessarily. In a sense it is because his yoke is easy. But at the same time there is a fight of faith. There are forces against you. Amen? There are things that sometimes because of, um, of, of what, what is the, the long continuance because it's been around for a while because of the bombardment from, from the, the, the information from the doctors and this and that and, and many of those other things sometimes those things are coming against your faith and you got to fight. So I'm not telling you you're not going to have to fight a good part of faith. But I am saying, faith, this is the victory. Now, and it is the application of faith, it is the application of the truth. Now, I remember we said this some time ago, that faith is confidence in the sacrifice. The first minute, chapter 11, where it says, because I'm not discerning the Lord's body, what happened? Some are weak, some are sickly, and some even die. But if you judge yourself, it'll be a different story. This is my paraphrase from that verse for this teaching purpose. If you rightly discern the body which was broken for you, and you judge yourself, and do what? Align yourself accordingly. You will not be judged and you will not be sickly, nor will you die prematurely. Does that make sense? Yes. But rather, divine health will be your portion. Exodus 23, verse 25 to 26 says, I will take, I will bless your water and your bread, and I'll take sicknesses away from the midst of you, and the number of your days I will what? Fulfill. Job 5 verse 26 says, You will come to your grave in a ripe old age. Psalm 91 verse 16 says, And with long life I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. Alright? So, now let's shift to the application of these other four. These other four, the application is a work of faith, whatever you want to call it, that will cause to be made manifest what the knowledge of these first four aspects of the sacrifice told you belong to you. Amen? So let's discuss them. The blood. The blood, and the blood basically, in, in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 16 to 20, maybe I should read it. 
Let me just read it. We have a few minutes. Hebrews chapter 9. This is the same Hebrews I was talking about earlier. <laughs> the same book, Hebrews 9. <laughs> right? <laughs> Praise the Lord. That says, where a testament is, verse 16, for where a testament is or a will, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator, the one that makes the will. Because, because a testament or a will is not a force. It is a force after men are dead, after the person that made the will died. Otherwise, it has no strength at all while the testator lives. But you see, the one that made his will, his name is Jesus. And he died. So what? The will is enforced. Wherefore, neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of the calves and of the goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop, and he sprinkled the book and all the people saying, this is the blood of the testament which God had enjoined unto you, which God had commanded me to deliver to you. So there is a command with the blood that declares everything in this will is now in force. Amen? So when you declare in the blood, you declaring the grace of what Jesus has provided, and you are declaring your legal right to it. Amen? The blood speaks about redemption, and you can make many studies about the blood. But number one, so the whole point is to recognize that this blood is part, standing and declaring that blood is a way of enforcing that divine help. The name, the name, the name has to do with authority. John chapter 14 and 1 verse 14, Jesus says, Whatsoever you shall ask in my name, whatsoever you shall demand as your right in my name, I'll do it. I'll back you up. I'm going to watch over my word to perform it. The government is on my shoulder. So you have got to have the name and demand and command those knees to be made strong and command that sickness to leave and command, demand, Command, um, Ephesians 1 verse 21, and I, don't, I just don't want to misquote it, Ephesians 1 verse 21 says, anyway, raised up far above all principality, powers, might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and I put all things underneath his feet. And I give him to be head over all things to the church. All things. When you declare the name of Jesus, you are declaring that everything is underneath your feet. Because the feet are connected to the body. Amen? And if everything is underneath his feet, it's underneath your feet. As he is, so are you in this world. So the name of Jesus is that declaration. Luke 10, 19 says, Behold, I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now you got to have that spirit and that attitude of authority. The kingdom of God suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. Now we're not going to go here today, but next week we're going to talk about some practical things that you can do 
in order to 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 um in order to to walk in divine health. And when we get over there, one of the things you have to do sometimes you have a a, a serious a situation that is threatening. I don't want to change, and you got to get violent. You got to command it to leave in Jesus' name. And if you're going to start, if you if there's there's something like like a cancer or something like that, and you guys are going to say cancer. You can't kill me. Get out of my body. Go for me. Cancer, leave my body. Cancer, I said to leave my body now. It's not going to go. It's not going to work. He said, cancer, in Jesus' name, I curse you. Come out of my body. This body is the temple of a living God. You've got no right in me. I curse you from the roots. Come out of my body. Get out of my body in Jesus' name, you dumb thing. Go from me. And you've got to have that kind of attitude. Yes. And if you don't have that kind of attitude, it's not going to budge. Because there are some things in life that has that type of thing on them. Are you with me? You've got to have that kind of spirit. And you've got to choke it until it dies. You've got to open up a cancer. cancer open your mouth. I'm going to feed you the word of God. By his scraps of He take this word. He said this word. And you've got to choke it. Choke it with the word of God until it dies. And if you don't choke it, then it choke you. Alright? And if you're going to just Pity put along and oh this hurts and you're just gonna wail and cry and complain and oh that's why I don't like people talking telling me too much about their, the details of their infirmity. Nothing wrong with that. But if it is a pattern, not good. Because all they do is open up a door to a spirit of infirmity. Are you with me? You gotta have a diligence, you've gotta have a violence, and that's connected to the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You gotta insist. On your healing. Let me read that scripture now. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 13 and 12 and 14. Lift up your hands which hang down. Hebrews 12 verse 12 and 13. And the feeble knees. Make straight paths for your feet. Lest that which is lame is turned out of the way. But let it rather be healed. You got to have that type of attitude. Lift up those hands. Knees. You're not going to be feeble anymore. In Jesus name. I'm talking to you. Jesus spoke to mountains. Jesus spoke to the wind. Jesus spoke to storms. Well, you talk to your knees. You talk to your body. You command your body. By Jesus bore every sickness, carried every infirmity, and I command you to obey the word of God. I command you to line up with the truth. By his stripes I'm healed. Sickness, you can't stay in my body. Get out of my body in Jesus' name. But you don't wait for cancer to practice that kind of stuff. Amen? All right. Number, number the, next, the next one, the life of Christ. Ephesians 3 verse 10 says that it was the intent of God that all the principalities and powers would be made known by the church, the manifold wisdom of God. Christ is the wisdom of God and the power of God. So by the church, we are to make Christ that anointing, that empowerment known to the principalities and powers. It is Christ, that life of Christ, that is the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Ephesians 3 verse 8 talks about the unsearchable riches of Christ. That life, that anointing. He is anointed. That Christ is the anointing. We were mentioned in Romans chapter 8 verse 10 and 11. That the spirit is life. Your spirit is life because of righteousness. Because of that oneness. And as you recognize that, then they say, and you, and you act on the word, the same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead will rise up and quicken your mortal bodies. 
which means what? It will rise up and release anointing and power into your body and drive out the sickness in Jesus' name. That's what Romans 8, 2, the law of the spirit of that life that was in Christ, that makes you free from the law of sin and death, but you got to activate that life. You got to activate that law. You got to get that law working. Ephesians chapter, Philippians 3, verse 20 and 21, I refer to it. Our conversation is in heaven. Where on to we are looking? We are looking. We are looking. We are looking unto Jesus. Remember the story about uh, when the folks were being bitten by the serpent and Moses made a, made a, a snake made out of brass? And he says, Everyone that looketh shall live. Everyone that looketh to that cross, looketh to that sacrifice, looketh to what is finished. And have his conversation, his thinking, his attitudes governed by what is already done. Christ himself shall rise up, subdue everything unto himself, and make your vile body like unto his glorious body. Philippians 3 verse 20 and 21. Look it up in several versions. Amen? Why is that? Because it's the anointing. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and power, and he went about doing good. Healing those that were oppressed of the devil. Christ is the anointing himself. <clears throat> that anointing, Isaiah 10, 27 says, breaks every yoke and what? Removes burdens. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's what? Anointed me. Hallelujah. So, you see, you know the passage in Ezekiel 47 when it speaks about this river rising up, rising up? And it says in Ezekiel 47 verse 9 that everywhere where that river flowed, where there was death, where something was dead, it became alive. That river is a type of the anointing flowing. The law of the spirit of life. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And finally, the promises. The promises of God, the word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword, Pierces to the dividing is under of the soul and spirits and the joints and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Everything is naked and defenseless before it. The Bible says the promises of God by these we partake of the divine nature. We can take the part of the divine nature that we need. We can take that healing part. Every word of God, no word of God is void of power. Luke 1, 37, meaning there is no word of God that lacks the ability within itself to bring itself to pass. Amen. The seed is in itself. Amen? When 1 when, 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 um, Peter 2, 24 grows up, <laughs> by his stripes you're healed. Amen? When that seed becomes a plant, becomes a tree, what comes out of it? Healing, wholeness. The Bible says in Psalms 2, verse 7, that you shall declare what God has decreed. Amen? Psalm 107 verse 20, he sent his word and he healed them and he delivered them from all their... That's right. Proverbs 4.22 says, um, there is life. What does it say? It's life. The word, it is life to what? All your flesh. Can you imagine if if some scientists came up with one pill, one pill that would cure diabetes, that would cure blood pressure, that would cure leprosy, that would cure AIDS, 
that would cure any and every disease. One pill. How prosperous would he be? One pill that would be health to all your flesh. We got that. The gospel. <laughs> Amen? Christ in you. And it's health. That word is health to all your flesh. I think it's Matthew chapter 4, 23, when it says Jesus went about and he was healing all manner of sickness and disease. But Jesus was the word made flesh. That word healed all manner of sickness and disease. All I'm doing is making a case. The case is this. Divine health is yours. You can have divine health and you can live in divine health. It belongs to you. It is the desire of God. It is the will of God. It's God's dream for you. You've got a legal right to divine health. You've got an absolute legal right to divine health. And that divine health, it is possible. It is possible. It is possible. You can do it. With God, all things are possible. You can live this. And it already belongs to you. How do you do it? It's going to take the application of the truth, which is what Jesus finished in his sacrifice. Amen. And that application of what Jesus finished is called faith. Acknowledging every good thing that is already done. And then when you take faith, it can access the grace, which is the riches of God, including divine health at Jesus' expense. And through faith and grace, what happened? We obtained the promises. And it is sure to all the same. Doesn't have anything to do with how good and sweet you are. It's good to be good and sweet though. <laughs> but it has nothing to do with that. It is of faith that it might be by grace. That the promise might be sure to all of the seed. Hallelujah. Let's stand for a moment. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Bible says, physician, heal yourself. The Bible says, lay hands on the sick. Put the hand, put your hand on yourself. And, I, and by the way, you, you act this way if there's a sickness, by all means. But you talk this way when you're healthy. The best time to fix your roof. Unless you fear of heights. <laughs> the best time to fix your roof is not during the storm. Do it in good weather. Amen? Right? <laughs> Do it in good weather. Here you are, you're nice and healthy. Just declare that every system in my body is supernaturally empowered. In Jesus' name. So let's put your hands on your body and say, Jesus, Jesus you, live inside of me. you live inside of me. You're inside of my hand. And right now, I release divine healing power. Your divine healing power into my body, throughout my system. In the name of Jesus, I have life. I have health. Divine health through your name. And in the name of Jesus, 
I command every system in my body to be empowered supernaturally with health. I speak to my immune system and I say, you are supernaturally strong to fight off any infection, any disease in the name of Jesus. I speak to my bones. I say, bones, you are healthy. You are strong. I speak to my nervous system. I speak divine life to you. I speak divine life to my respiratory system, my skeleton system. In the name of Jesus, into my circular system, heart, you work like you're supposed to. Blood pressure, I command you to be normal. In the name of Jesus, I command every organ in my body, be well, be strong, be healthy. Body, you live long, you live strong, and you live well. Liver, do your job. Lungs, do your job. Every organ, minor and major, you function the way God had designed you to. I command it in the name of Jesus. And Father, right now, I declare that the law of the spirit of life in Christ is working in me 24 hours a day when I'm sleeping, when I'm not even thinking about it. It is working just like my heart all the time. And it keeps me free from sickness and disease in the name of Jesus. Now I just declare right now I am free from any hereditary sickness that runs in my family. It's off limits to me. My body is the temple of God and I am redeemed from every curse in Jesus' name. Body, you are blessed. You are empowered divinely in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You are the Savior of this body. I am. A, I have membership. I am a member of your body, of your flesh, of your bones. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah.